Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 20. It says this, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together under the Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah to the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bulls. And let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bull and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And call you on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bull for yourselves and dress it first, for you are many. And call the name of your gods and put no fire under it. And they took the bull which was given them, and they dressed it and called the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. They leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried louder and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The title of this message this morning is, It's Decision Time in America. It is Decision Time in America. And I'm not talking about the election necessarily. There's a decision that has to be made before the election comes around. Even before we leave this building today, it's a decision that has to be made by the followers of God. It's the same decision that Elijah put to the children of Israel in our text. In verse 21, he said, How long do you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. It is a simple choice. It is a simple decision. Which God is the real God. Now, Queen Jezebel led King Ahab and ultimately Israel into idol worship. This woman was a priestess of the pagan false god Baal. To give you a little background, the, uh, Baal was the male deity of power and sexuality. And King Ahab also built Asherah poles to worship Ashtaroth, which was the female goddess of fertility and love and war. Now, the type of worship that took place for these two gods was despicable. The worship of Baal and Ashtoreth included temple prostitution, where both men and women would do sex acts to raise money for their religious activities in their temple. 
One of the most horrendous parts of the worship services were human sacrifices, which included the sacrificing of babies to these gods. Now, the 22-year reign of Ahab and Jezebel around the 9th century B.C. was one of Israel's most intense religious and political struggles. It was marked by the religious contest between the followers of Baal and the followers of Jehovah God, which we just read in our text. Look at verse 4. We didn't read it, but I want you to look at it. Verse 4 says, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with water and bread. Now, Queen Jezebel cut off the prophets of God. In other words, they, or she ordered the slaughter of these prophets of God so that she could install priests of Baal in their place. She was a terrorist. She ruled by fear. This is what Jezebel did. And however, not everyone connected with Jezebel and Ahab were wicked because we read in the verse 4 that Obadiah, who was the governor of Ahab's house, believed in God and he saved the lives of 100 prophets from Jezebel. I want to tell you this morning that sometimes it seems like you're the only one standing for what is right, but God has people serving him even in the most spiritually dark places. Can I have an amen? You're not by yourself this morning. Now, Elijah knew it was time to expose the devil to be the fraud he is. Because every false god out there come from the same source. That's the devil. And, the, and Elijah understood that. Elijah was a prophet of the Lord. And he understood that all these false prophets were just coming from the devil. And so Elijah said, it is time to expose the devil for the liar he is. And we need to do that in America today. Can I have an amen? Verse 19, Elijah said, Now therefore send and gather to me all of Israel to Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Now I want you to notice that Jezebel had 850 false prophets at her beck and call against one man standing for God, and that's Elijah. I want to tell you this morning, even if you're the only one standing for God on your job, you and God are the majority. If you're the only one serving God in your family, you and God are the majority. Noah was the only righteous man in the world, and he found grace in the eyes of God, and God spared him and his family from a worldwide flood. I'm telling you, if you are the only one in America standing for God, God is standing with you. And so Elijah called them all to Mount Carmel for a showdown. There were thousands of people on that mountain. There were thousands that came to see what was going to happen. And so they're gathered on that mountain. The prophets of Baal, as we read, they built an altar. They sacrificed a bull on it. And they prayed for their God to answer by fire. They went all day long, jumping on the altar, cutting themselves with knives. But nothing happened. So Elijah began to mock them. He said, maybe you need to shout louder. I mean, he is a God, right? That's what you say. And maybe he's on vacation. Or maybe he's asleep. You need to wake him up. And so they yelled even louder. They went all the way till the evening and still no answer. Because that's what happens when you put the trust in the devil. My friend, he paints a pretty picture with temptation, but he, does, he never gives you the right payoff. He always leaves you with, uh, with uh, less than what you started off with. And then, so it was Elijah's turn. And verse 30 says, Elijah started by repairing the altar of the Lord that was broken down. 
Somewhere on Mount Carmel, somebody had built an altar to God, but it had been torn down. And Elijah, so Elijah knew what he was doing. There was a reason why they went to Mount Carmel. He knew there was an altar to God that used to be there, and he repaired it back. You see, he wasn't going to use their altar. Oh, no. And he was not introducing a new religion. He was taking them back to the God of their ancestors. He was reminding them, you used to worship at this altar. Now it's time to repair it. We need to come back to our first love, church. We need to pray and seek the face of God again. I'm not preaching a new message. I'm reminding you the message your ancestors believed. That I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to repair our altars again and come back to God with all our hearts. Look at verse 31. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around the altar as, good, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order. And he cut the bull in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. They did the second time. He said, do it the third time. They did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. This people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. So Elijah, he dug a trench around his altar. And then he poured 12 barrels of water on his sacrifice. So there was no earthly, physical way that that thing was going to burn. Absolutely no way. Now I want you to remember, if you know the backstory of this, they were, in the, they were at the latter end of a three-and-a-half-year drought. There was famine everywhere, and they were on top of a mountain. Where did they get the water? <laughs> Somehow they had to carry 12 barrels of water up on that mountain, and they drenched it down. But I want to say this, because water was so scarce, so it had to come from somewhere. But I want to tell you this. When you give to God what is most precious to you, then God will see your sacrifice and respond to your prayer. He took what was most sacred, the water, because they didn't have water back then. They, it was scarce, but he poured 12 barrels of water on him. He gave that. That was part of his sacrifice to God. He said, God, you shut up the heavens. It didn't rain. I'm going to give you rain. I'm putting water on this sacrifice, and you, I'm giving it back to you because that is the most precious thing right now. I want to tell you something. Our church has been drowned by water. It's been underwater. But if we'll give it to God as a sacrifice and say, God, that's your church, not mine. Now listen, we can't let that building become our God. We can't do it. If we do, God will take it from you. We need to offer it up as sacrifice to God. God, you gave it to us. Now, Lord, I'm giving it back to you. We need you more than we need a building. And the fire of God can fall again on his people. And the latter church can be greater than the former church. And then God can restore the building. Who am I preaching to today? Give God a praise of sacrifice. Now I want you to notice, Elijah prayed a short prayer. 
only two verses long. That's all he prayed. Two short verses. I mean, it don't take you 30 seconds to read it. That's all he said. Can I tell you something? When you've been talking to God already, and you're doing what he told you to do, it don't take a long prayer to get his attention. When you've been fasting and praying and seeking God already, when the time is right, it's going to happen. And you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait 30 days for him. God is a God who, who can do things now. Just do what he told you and he'll take care of the rest. But you've got to pray ahead of time. Elijah knew that he was doing everything he was doing. God told him to do it. Look at verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. My friend, God answered by fire from heaven. And I want you to notice something. He didn't just burn up the meat. He consumed the stones and everything. When the fire of God comes, whatever you've given him as a sacrifice, he'll take it all. The only thing that was left to even show there had been an altar there was the trench that Elijah had built, just a circle in the ground, and it wasn't even full of water. The water was gone too. My friend, that's the God that we serve. God can do anything. I wish I had a witness in here. I said God can do anything. And when everybody saw that, everybody said, the Lord, he is God. And then they killed all the false prophets of Baal. I want to tell you something. God doesn't take orders from anybody. But when you know how to pray, God will listen to you and do what you ask. James 5, 16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And Elijah, in and, and that same chapter of James 5, James tells us that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. In other words, he was just like you and me. There was nothing supernatural about Elijah except he knew the God that he served. And he, was, he had made his mind up long ago that he was going to follow God, whether it was popular or unpopular. And that decision has to be made by us today in America. Because the same question that Elijah posed to them then is being posed to us. Again, verse 21. How long do you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. There's a choice that America has to make. Who are we going to serve? Many people today are serving a Jesus of their own making. They take a little bit from this religion, a little bit of this religion, and they make their own God. Well, that's what they did back here in Elijah's day. A lot of people make their own Jesus. Some people serve the Santa Claus Jesus. Oh, you better be good because he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so you better be good. Some people serve the magic genie Jesus. You tell him what you want, he'll make your wishes come true. Some people serve the Dr. Phil Jesus. You only talk to him when you need some good advice. Some serve the don't worry, be happy Jesus. That's the one that tells you to just focus on being a good person, have a positive outlook. 
We live in a society today in America where the word Christian has, been, has come to mean someone who believes things about Jesus rather than a disciple who follows Jesus. Because the real meaning of Christian means I am following Jesus. I am following his word. I'm following in his footsteps what he told me to do. I'm doing it. That's what a Christian means. It's called nominalism when someone is a Christian in name only. We have nominal Christianity in America, and nominal Christianity will not get your prayers answered. Nominal Christianity will not cause fire to come down from heaven. Nominal Christianity will not save your lost loved ones. You see, nominal Christians call themselves Christians, but they don't follow the Messiah or his word. And I want to say this. Everybody is welcome to attend church here. Everybody is welcome to attend church here. Everyone is welcome to come to Jesus and be saved. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Can I have an amen? Everyone can come to Jesus, and yes, we follow God's word. Can I have an amen? I, I'm making a decision today. Okay, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm declaring. I'm making a decision. We follow the word of God, and everybody can come to Jesus to be saved. Amen? Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Does anybody believe that? Anybody not ashamed of the gospel? We're making a decision here today. As Raven has said, we're making a decision. We won't divert from the gospel in order to make people feel comfortable in their sin. Because sin kills people. Sin dooms their souls to hell. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friend, God loves you too much to let the devil kill you. And we don't want the devil to kill you. We want you to come to Jesus to be saved. Can anybody get behind me on this? <laughs> so we made a decision about where we stand. Now I'm going to go deeper. As I mentioned to you earlier, Baal was the god of sexuality in Elijah's day. Today, there's a showdown across America over sexuality. It's the same spirit that came against Elijah in his day. It's the same devil that Elijah showed up on Mount Carmel. He's showing up now. Two weeks ago, an Assembly of God church in Kyle, Texas, got up and made this decision publicly. Pastor Dan Matlock, he announced that he and his church will no longer be affiliated with Assemblies of God. They have departed from the Assemblies of God's position on marriage, sexual orientation, and gender identity. Their departure from the Christian faith is made clear in bold words on their website, and I quote, and you can look this up. It says, we believe in and practice full inclusion here at this church, which means that individuals from the LGBTQ community can serve and be involved in every area of this church from serving to pastoring, end quote. The Assemblies of God, the North Texas District, removed him as Assembly of God pastor. Thank God for somebody who stands on the word of God. And the North Texas District is helping church members of that church who still believe in the Bible to try to find other churches where they, that embrace 
the biblical views of marriage and sexuality. I tell you, I thank God for a fellowship that stands for the word of God. And we need to make that decision. We need to make that distinctly clear because more and more people are believing the lies of the devil that sin is no big deal. We need to decide which side of God's word we're going to stand on as a church and as individuals because it is the same spirit that Elijah was up against in his day. And my friends, mark my words, it will come up in the election. It will come up. It's coming up now and come November. You need to decide today on February what you're going to do come November. Several presidential candidates have already said they want to make it a hate crime for anyone to say anything against homosexuality and remove the tax-exempt status from any organization that does so. My friend, it's decision time, church. We don't hate people. Let me say it again. We don't hate people. We love people enough to tell them the truth that sin in any form will kill us. It don't matter if it's a lie. It's sin. It's one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not lie. It don't matter if it's adultery, if it's taking God's name in vain. It don't matter what it is. Sin is sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross to pay for the price for our sin and set us free. Because nobody, myself included, none of us can be ever be good enough to save ourselves, we need Jesus to save us. At the end of this message, in just a few moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do what God has called you to do. And that is invite someone to come to Jesus. When that time comes, I want you to turn to the person on your left and your right and ask them if they know Jesus as their Savior. And if they don't know Jesus, you can come with them and we'll pray together with them. You know why? Because they're not in this thing by themselves. We are in this thing together. As brothers and sisters of Christ. Well, pastor, I don't feel comfortable doing that. This is what we're supposed to be doing every day. We need to practice. We can pra- and the safest place to practice it is in church. Amen? This is what we're supposed to be doing. If it's decision time in America, we've got to be willing to ask people, are you ready to go to heaven? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because I want to tell you, friends, our God can do anything. He can send fire from heaven. He can burn up the meat. He can burn up the rocks. He can burn up the dust. He can lick up the water to where nothing's left but a trench. He can prove himself that he's real to any unbeliever. He can do it. After the showdown on Mount Carmel, Elijah prayed for rain. And his servant said he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand coming up out of the sea. Elijah told King Ahab, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. You better get your chariot and get off this mountain before the rain stops you. Hallelujah. Now that's faith. The abundance of rain coming from a cloud the size of a man's hand. And the Bible says in verses 45 and 46, And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now you've got to understand what I just read to you. This is a major miracle. I'm talking about a God who can do anything. Jezreel is 17 miles from Mount Carmel. Ahab was in his chariot. Elijah's running on foot. Yet Elijah got to Jezreel before Ahab did. God gave him supernatural power and supernatural speed. I'm talking about a God who can do anything. 
Hallelujah. Usain Bolt from Jamaica is the world's fastest man right now. He has won 19 gold medals, including the Beijing Olympics 100-meter race, where he made a new world record time of 9.69 seconds. What does that mean? It means in the time it took me to read that sentence, Usain Bolt ran 100 meters. That's fast. Well, how fast can a chariot go? Well, it depends on the number of horses you got. Ahab was the king. And you know the king would have had the best chariot in the land. Plus, he was trying to outrun a rainstorm. So it's estimated that his chariot was traveling 35 to 40 miles per hour. And Elijah outran him. God can do anything. I wish I had a witness in here. God can do it. I want to tell you, your spirit can be stronger than your flesh if you will feed it. If you will feed your spirit, man, from the word of God and in prayer and pray in the Holy Ghost, your spirit can be stronger than your flesh because spiritual laws are greater than natural laws. That's how Elijah could outrun a chariot. That's how Samson was able to kill a thousand heavily armed soldiers with the, just the jawbone of a donkey. That's how Jesus could walk on water. That's how Peter's shadow healed the sick. That's how Paul survived a snake bite. When your spirit is stronger than your flesh, you can do supernatural things. But you've got to feed your spirit the word of God and you've got to walk after the spirit. It's decision time in America. The Bible says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's decision time. Will you stand for God and his word in this day and time when it's not popular? Or will you bow to the false gods of this world that are confusing the minds of our people? Your decision will determine how you live. It will determine how you vote. And it will determine where you spend eternity. So decide well. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.